0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, RambleMania brings to you. It is I, your very first RambleMania heavyweight champion, Basil Diazam. Welcome to another edition of Raw Rants, where my guys don't want to sit down and watch the show, so I have to be the one to do it. You know, man. I woke up this morning thinking it was going to be a nice autumn day. I was actually going to go get myself a nice big old cup of coffee, just look at the leaf fall.
1: Nope. I wake up to your God masturbating all over my fucking street. I've been doing a lot uh, for the past two weeks. My anniversary just passed, and I have been sick.
0: I have been sick for a good minute. I'm feeling better now, and I'm happy to be on my own feet. And, tomorrow is Halloween. And it's, it's gonna feel weird knowing that, you know, with this virus going on and everything, everyone can't go out and trick or treat, so, sorry. <laughs> this area really sucks, not just for, for, not just for me, but for everyone in the whole world. It sucks, overall. Got so much shit going on. Everyone is just praying that this year would end already and just move on to 2021. And we got this election coming up. So uh a lot of people are going for the asshole while people are not going for the other asshole. So I don't vote. I, I'm never going to vote. I I've, Either way, no matter who wins, I go by this term. We're all fucking screwed. Depending on who wins, it doesn't really matter. So, yeah, I hope you all went out there and cast your vote. (laughs) Because I'm not. All right, let's just get this underway. Submitted to the approval of the Ramble Mania show. This is the tale of Lana going through the announce table six times in a row. Oh, my God. Is this ever going to end? Will this ever end? Without further ado, let's get All right, so we open up Monday Night Raw at the
1: Thunderdome.
0: They do the recap of Hell in a Cell with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. Um, originally, my thoughts on that match that match is boring. Like Sasha and Bailey was great. Roman and Jey Uso was. They get a standing ovation. I don't go fuck. They get that. They get that. That shit was. That shit was nuts. (laughs) There was acting. There was crying. There was storytelling. And there was just so much shit going on. I was just telling myself, please don't stop the match. I don't want to deal with this for a third year in a row. We've had two Hell in a Cell reviews where there was just ref stoppage or just straight up match stoppage. It's ridiculous. I'm just glad they didn't do it for this one. I'm... Sooner or later, maybe next week, I'll probably do a recap of Hell in a Cell. Uh, I do want to do a recap of Bound for Glory, though, because I just finished watching that, and that shit was amazing. I haven't done anything Impact. The God. It'll be nice to just, like, you know, bring in some new stuff into the realm with me. All right, so we do Hell in a Cell recaps. We have a new Musical opening for Raw now, and it's a a rap song. You
1: know, that's a first. Um, does the song go hard? Yes. Does the song go hard in a club? I don't know. I don't go clubbing. So I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even answer that question. Uh, a lot
0: of people have mixed reactions towards this intro. I mean, it's, It's a good song. I don't see nothing wrong with it. It fits well with with the Raw intro. I mean, last week, what? They did the season premiere? Another thing. Stop with this whole season premiere crap. Wrestling doesn't have a season. That shit goes on and on and on and on and on. There's no off-season in wrestling. So the fact that they're doing everything now by season is ridiculous. All right, so we open up. Raw with Drew McIntyre coming out, not selling his injuries at all. So I'm guessing that fall that he took from the cell, well, off the edge of the cell because they were just hanging on for it. I'm guessing it was just the blood capsule because I swear to God he comes out of there with a, a big old smile on his face. I admit when when baby faces lose championships, some of them have this weird way to come up with an excuse of why they lost it. Drew McIntyre is just like, I don't have an excuse. He just promises that he'll uh, he'll go be WWE champion again. And I'm hoping that happens. You know, he brings up a lot of movie references, something with Rocky, and all this other stuff. And then comes out Miz and Morrison. Miz is gloating about how he defeated Otis to become a uh, two-time Mr. Money in the Bank, pulling a Edge and a CM Punk. Talks about how he cashed in a decade ago against Randy Orton in the same location that they're in right now. They bring up Angry Miz Girl. They brought up how he celebrated with his wife, Maurice. And I think for some reason now, everyone's just going to bring up how many years this is going to take for someone to win a championship. So now, what? What, it's a Drew McIntyre 19 years? I'm surprised that the minute they said that, the Drew McIntyre just started swinging. He swings at the Miz. Miz takes a hit, goes out. John Morrison being John Morrison, because he does some acting, does his Scottish accent, accent uh, to Drew. And I'm just like, you racist fuck. And he gets swung at. They get beat up. Miz goes for a chop block. They both roll out of the ring. Drew's pissed. He goes to management, a.k.a. Adam Pearce or Matt Buck, and says,
1: hey, I want a match with The Miz, and they actually make it happen. So we get that match later on. Uh, we start off with a Survivor Series qualifying match. We have three Survivor
0: Series qualifying matches on this Raw episode. We start off with AJ Styles and his giant friend. I'm just going to call him Giant Jordan. All right, versus Jeff Hardy. You know AJ cuts a promo about how he's two and zero and how he's the the face that runs the place on Monday Night Raw, and then he talks about his his giant Jordan. You know he says he doesn't like to be noticed. He doesn't like to be fucked with. So I I think that's why AJ Styles kept looking you know through his height the other way instead of looking up because like he just said he doesn't the guy doesn't like to be noticed. So it's weird. Cause it's like first he was a ninja, then Shane McMahon stole him from the Foot Clan and made him his head bouncer on Raw Underground. Then Raw Underground gets canceled. Now, uh, now Giant Jordan is fucking
1: working with AJ Styles. I feel like this guy's a GTA character, just going to different people uh, for jobs and shit. Cause let's face it, I was expecting either Babatunde. Or someone else to fucking, uh, be like AJ's bouncer,
0: bodyguard, whatever the fuck it is. Anyways, you know, they're, they're doing the whole Jeff Hardy stick. They're calling Jeff Hardy a junkie. They're basically trying to bring the whole, like, oh, you're a drug addict, you're a junkie, and, you know, you're, you're, you're not, you're not made for children. You're just known for drugs. And, you know, Jeff Hardy just comes out. One thing I noticed when they started doing the Thunderdome, They brought some pyro back for some of these guys. Like, AJ Styles has his original stage pyro, but now he has, he has ring pyro. That was so brand new. So, these two guys have a good match. Jeff Hardy does a a cross body off the top rope, going to the outside. Giant Jordan just catches him right there. Weirdest thing about Raw that happened. The commentators didn't mention anything about cutting to commercial. They just cut to commercial while the match is going, and they just come right back. That was so weird to me. Like they didn't even, didn't even announce it. I guess they're they're fucking they they scrapped that shit also. Like oh, we gotta take commercial break. We'll be back right after this. No, it's just crossbody. He gets caught. It goes straight to commercial. Anyways, good match between these two. What happens is that um. Jeff Hardy takes a, a, a bump to the steel post, hits his face. Clothesline, right back into the ring. AJ Styles, springboard for now in the forum. One, two, three, the match is over. AJ Styles qualifies for Team Raw. And in the promo, he talks about how he should be the team captain of Monday Night Raw. Good match. Really enjoyed it. I like the, these two actually competing every now and then. Um, last time I actually saw them compete was when I think Jeff Hardy won the title from AJ Styles on SmackDown when they debuted the, um, the Thunderdome. So yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Uh, it was a really good match. We go backstage to R-Truth. Uh, he's being interviewed by some random chick. Anyways, he gets interviewed, uh, scouting the 24-7 division because
1: Drew McIntyre, uh, Gulak and Tozawa have a tag match coming up. Against the Lucha House Party.
0: So it's a man disguised as a janitor, teaming up with a, with a guy who was eaten by a shark. Against the Lucha House Party minus Callisto. What? Anyway, the match happens. Two minutes into the match, r shows up, and they just stop the, they just stop, ta- they just stop having their match. They just see r running around. Roll up. One, two. Roll up. One, two. Roll up. One, two. Roll up. One, two. Lindsay Dorado sprint. Uh, fucking flying crossbody. 1, 2, 3, matches over. Oh, our troop is still outside. Roll over. 1, 2, roll over.
1: 1, 2, and he just fucking runs. Who booked this shit? Like, seriously. Who booked this 24 7
0: championship shit is now. It's fucking ridiculous. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. I don't even. Like, Drew Gulak deserves better. I thought that what they were going to do with him with Daniel Bryan was actually going to be worth it, but it turned out to be nothing. Um Cesaro was eaten by a shark, and for some reason he's still wa- This man is still in his Foot Clan outfit. Like bro, the Foot Clan's over. It's over. Like you could go back to your to your regular
1: wrestling gear now. You could do that. You could fucking do that. Meanwhile there's some, there's some sort of dissension
0: with the Lucha House Party. I don't know, Calisto saying he's the leader, or one of these assholes are saying that the leader. I don't know. I don't. I have not watched
1: SmackDown while Lucha House Party was there, and I can give a fuck about Lucha House Party. Oh my god! Anyways, we have a Firefly Funhouse segment.
0: My favorite show. So much better than Wonder shows it. You guys know what I'm talking about. All
1: right, so uh, Undertaker uh, Bray Wyatt just is is having a little tea party with Alexa Bliss, but Alexa Bliss doesn't show up yet.
0: Bray Wyatt pops up with these weird looking contact lenses, Mad Hatter gimmick all in one with the Undertaker's Survivor Series debut date on his hat. It's so freaky. Alexa Bliss shows up. She brings the tea. Now, this new this new thing that they're doing with Alexa Bliss is fucking phenomenal. I love it. I love it. She really needed this change. She really needed to, you know, show off more of her dark side because I'm sick and tired of her, like, betraying her friends or bullying her friends. I wanted her to be something else, and I think making her, you know, Bray Wyatt's little apprentice, making her like the Harley Quinn of it all because that's really what it is, really basically what it looks like. They've been talking, they have a lot of, um, Joker, Harley Quinn references. There's a lot of Alice in Wonderland references, something about rabbit holes, and that they're all mad, and that they gave Rambling Rabbit arsenic in his tea, and then he dies, and then he comes back to life, and all of a sudden Bray Wyatt pulls out this, this little fraternity sex paddle that he had all those years ago when I don't know, his minions attacked Randy Orton backstage. This was during the time that Bray Wyatt was WWE champion, and Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble. This was during the time that the, you know, the Ramble Mania show was actually, you know, starting.
1: So, he pulls out the sex battle. He bludgeons Rambling Rabbit with it with red, blue
0: light, red and blue light strobes flashing in the background. It, it reminded me of a Dragon Ball Z a bridge series of the
1: You Force of what's the blue guy's name? Uh Berto Berter uh, Yeah, the fastest Guy in the
0: Universe and Jace. They, there's this thing that they do in the bridge series called the Seizure Procedure and it's red and blue light strobes mixed with Darude Sandstorm. That's what that just it, that's what I envisioned when I saw Bray bludgeoning the shit out of Rambling Rabbit and those lights just strobing and Alexa Bliss just smiling there all sinister and shit. Oh, and she has new contact lenses now and she has new gloves that say play and pain. I like it. It's cute. It's it's scary. It's suspenseful. And you know what? This is probably the best thing that they have right now on Monday Night Raw. I'm kind of glad that the, the Fiend went to Monday Night Raw because not that I didn't like him on SmackDown. It was just, he he should have stayed on Raw. He really should have. Great Firefly Funhouse segment. It never gets old. They never go out of style. I don't think there's ever been one episode that I did not like of Firefly Funhouse. It's just so amazing. You know, uh, is there some sort of teaser going on between The Fiend uh, with The Undertaker's date? Are we going to see that happening at Survivor Series? I don't know. But they have been plugging the fact that Undertaker's uh, 30-year anniversary in WWE is coming at Survivor Series, so we'll just have to wait and see. We got a backstage segment with Keith Lee. He talks about his loss last week against Braun Strowman, about how he low-blowed him, and he took the easy way out. Um he's going to have to deal with Braun Strowman later because right now he actually has a Survivor Series qualifying match against Elias. So it's Keith Lee versus Elias now. Elias comes out. They're plugging this. First, he plugs his album. He tries to perform a song, but Keith Lee interrupts it. He plugs that the album has hit number two. And I swear to God, throughout this entire match that they've been having, maybe throughout the last eight minutes, Byron Saxton has gotten completely annoyed over the fact that Samoa Joe and Tom Phillips are plugging Elias' new album, The Universal Truth. And he's like, I just want to watch the match. Well, maybe you're just pulling a Michael Cole 2011, bro. You're annoying as fuck. Anyways, good match. Keith Lee
1: finally wins! He wins.
0: I mean, it's a Survivor Series qualifying match. It was going to be predictable that he was going to win it against Elias. Because here's the thing. During the Jeff Hardy-AJ Styles match, after AJ Styles won, Elias came, swung guitar on the back of Jeff Hardy for what he did to him at Hell in a Cell. Jeff Hardy got a deep. Jeff Hardy disqualified himself for swinging a guitar on Elias. So, uh, tables have turned. Elias is on the top row about to do some shit. Probably an elbow drop. Jeff Hardy's music hits. Gets flipped over. Spirit Bomb. One, two, three. Keith Lee wins! Finally! And then Jeff Hardy comes out and swings a a guitar on the back of fucking Elias' back. So now we know this storyline isn't ending anytime soon. Because now we're going back to the whole, who ran over Elias? And everyone said a couple months ago it was a guy with red hair and a red beard. So it's obviously Seamus, but... Elias is too delusional to realize that, so he just blames Jeff Hardy because he's a junkie. I swear, man, they're, they they try to find so many ways to to put Jeff Hardy in these angles that involve his DUIs or his substance abuse. It's getting ridiculous. But most importantly, the the
1: greatest thing of them all is that Keith Lee wins. Yes, he finally wins a match. On live television. All right, so Randy Orton cuts a promo backstage. He cuts two promos backstage. Talks about Firefly,
0: um, Firefly Funhouse. Oh, and they plugged the Fire, uh, the Moment of Bliss at Firefly Funhouse. And when they mentioned Randy Orton, you could see Bray Wyatt with this sinister look on his face, and in the back. Like like how you see right now. Just picture this window. Look at this window right here that's beaming. Look at
1: this window and picture this window as that portrait of the barn on fire. And this is me as the fiend. Yeah, I never forget, bro. (laughs) Yeah, so they
0: talk about that. And, um... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm weirded out with these WWE officials that, th- that they're just throwing out here now. Like, there's no general managers, but for some reason, Stephanie McMahon has time to show up to do the draft. Adam Pierce is walking backstage and we see the women's tag team champions, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. You know, bickering at, uh, Adam Pierce about how one of them should be the team captain. And they have a list of people that they want on their team. And what's sad is they didn't put not any of them. They didn't even put each other on each other's list. It's like, did you put me on your list? No, did you put me on your list? No. If I was a captain, why would I put you on my team? <laughs> so there's still, there's still like some bickering between those two. It seems as if those two can't really get along. But when it comes to putting Lana through a fucking table for the sixth time in a goddamn row, that's the only time you guys can actually bond together. What the fuck? So Adam Pierce takes the papers of the list of women that they want on their team, and they're going to take it to consideration. So later on during the whole fucking thing, so before all this before all this shit commences, we have Mandy Rose and. Dana Brooke talking backstage. We see Angel Garza come up with a rose. Mandy Rose ain't interested because she's into her big bear. And, you know, Nia and Shayna appear from out of nowhere, and Garza just has this look in his eyes like, yeah, I'm giving you this rose, Nia, because I want want you. I want the BBW now. So I'm guessing Garza's
1: going to be the, um, the 2020 version of Mike Awesome's Fat Chick Thriller. I don't know. That... I hope it goes somewhere because, I mean, I don't know
0: why they, they brought some random chick from, what was it? Fantasy Island, Pleasure Island, Stupid Island. That dumb show on USA that plays right after all. Yeah, I don't I don't know why they brought her into the whole mix. Like, she was just a stupid waste of time. She's just a dumb blonde that Vince McMahon just decided to bring in. So, now Angel leaves. These two, these four are talking now like, oh, ever since we've been a team, we haven't lost. But ever since Nia and Shannon won the tag belts, they haven't lost. All they've been doing is putting Lana through tables because they're bullies. They are the new Team 3D. And now we go to the ring where we see WWE officials Pat Buck and Adam Pierce announce the Raw Women's Survivor Series team, which is Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Dana Brooke, and Mandy Rose. And the final person to be announced would take place in a fatal four-way
1: women's match, which was Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce, Lana and Nikki Cross. Boring match. I wasted my time actually watching this, but Lana won. Again. Making her the final member of the Raw Women's Survivor Series team. And then she goes
0: to a fucking table. And to make matters worse, Mandy and Dana didn't even fucking help her back up. They just watched. As she just got Samoan dropped onto the table again. This is the sixth time. Like, this is probably I think Lana going through a table is probably the most entertaining thing I've ever seen. It makes me laugh. Because it's like, I know she's not that good in the ring, but she's willing to to take a beating or to go through a table. So just to see that happen, I enjoy it. But to, but the fact that like okay. Naya and Shayna are heels. Dana and Mandy are baby faces. Lana is.
1: Lana. Alright, so why is it that the baby faces are not helping this poor woman off from the table? It's. It's so ridiculous. It is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I love to laugh about it because
0: it's just so hysterical. (laughs) I did not, I can I can't stop laughing about Lana going through a table. It's like, it's the most interesting thing that they've done. Lana (laughs) is her going through the announce table over and over and over and over and over and over again.
1: Oh man, enough is enough. Enough is enough, man. Alright, so we have, uh, they gave us Survivor Series
0: a little bit early. We have the Hurt Business out in the ring. And they cut a promo about how they don't run. About how everyone
1: else on the main roster ran away from Retribution. They didn't rant. They just. So basically, this is. Uh, let, let's, let's, let's. Let's
0: break down the whole story. So, apparently, everyone in the main roster is a bunch of pussies and don't want to stand up to retribution. So, the Hurt Business basically walked into Adam Pearce while he had his little toys, his security, his top-flight security team there. The Hurt Business was like, fuck these guys, hire us, because we'll beat down retribution. We don't run. All we want in return... What they said in the promo, all, all they want to return was championship gold. So basically, they want to shout at the tag belt. So um, let me remind people of this. Survivor Series is the one time of the year where, you know, there's brand supremacy, and it's the one time of the year where a card is subject to change. And we've seen this happen multiple times in certain Survivor Series pay-per-views. The cards have changed numerous times. So don't be surprised if it's not the New Day versus the Street Profits, and it's Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin taking on the Street Profits. All right, so Retribution come out, and they have a match. They have this eight-man elimination tag match, so they give Survivor Series a little early. Um, During the match, Mia Yim, who's known as Reckoning, is high on bath salts and starts... Screaming, rolling around the ring, pulling a Kylo Wrench, scratching herself, and for some reason, Slapnuts gets the roll-up and pins MVP 1-2-3. But it gets even better. Slapnuts gets speared out of his life by Bobby Lashley 1-2-3. And then to make matters worse, T-bag and Lashley just get double counted out. And Mustafa Ali being Ali get
1: fucking DQ by hitting at Cedric Alexander with a chair. What is this fucking faction? What is this team? I swear to god, they- My god. I almost broke the joint. (laughs) My god. This team, this team,
0: I, like, again, I don't wanna, I don't wanna claim burial. I don't wanna say that they're buried. I understand that there's gonna be something good for them, but I- I think I've been telling myself this for a long time, and that is this. Have Ali be the one facing Orton, or have him face Kofi Kingston first on the count of he took his spot of the WWE Championship, and then when he beats Kofi, have him face Orton, beat him for the belt, and then we can have that whole thing come full circle. Oh, Randy. You injured me, and for and because of you injuring me, I couldn't be WWE champion at Mania. I couldn't have my Mania moment. Now, I'm going to take something that's precious from you, and that's the WWE championship, and then I'm going to shut you down.
1: But they're not going to do that. I don't think they're going to do that. I hope they do it, but knowing WWE and Vince McMahon, they're not going to fucking do it. It makes so much sense for them to do this. Okay, but they're not gonna do it. They're, they they want to
0: continue on with their hurt business. And again, I'm still trying to see what the hell Retribution is trying to do. Cause all, like Mustafa Ali said it in the promo, all he needs is a phone or a laptop, and then the truth will be revealed. I am just, I'm at this point right now where Retribution is just. Man, if John Cena was around, then they'd be buried. Trust me. Trust me on that. If John Cena was still around to this day in 2020 on the main roster of Monday Night Raw, yeah, he'd bury retribution. So don't consider this a burial by the hurt business or at all from retribution just because they're losing. Just consider this a weak moment in them until they have something strong for them, which I'm hoping this happens soon. So everything that I just said here could possibly happen. But it's WWE. We won't know. Boring match. Fucking do something with this faction. Because it's at the point where everyone's now looking at them as a joke. You had them come out in these masks. They were the stock of the whole night on Monday Night Raw. Then you had Mustafa Ali be the leader. Which I thought was actually going to lead to something. And then that one week they don't show up. What, because of a draft? You don't show up? Big fucking whoop. Show the fuck up. And then you lose. You lose to the herb Business on three separate occasions. You lose to them on Monday Night Raw. You lose to them on a pay-per-view for the U.S.
1: Championship. Now you're losing in an eight-man elimination tag match? Drew McIntyre versus The Miz. Basically, Drew wins. Why? Because
0: Miz is Miz. Miz just Ms is going to stay protected no matter what, because he has the money in the bank briefcase and there's a possibility that he could cash it in on Randy Orton. We just don't know yet. Or or we could finally break up Miz and Morrison, hey hey, ho ho and you know have I've I've been I've been discussing this with myself for a while, and I'm finally gonna bring this up. They should start defending this money-in-the-bank briefcase. They need to. They have to. I'm sick and tired of guys holding it for so long and not doing nothing with it. So, for fuck's sake, you guys had Otis defend the money-in-the-bank at hell in a cell. and had him lose it. Why not, and I mean this with all due respect, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart too, why not have the money-in-the-bank briefcase be defended On pay-per-views, it gives the Miz something to do. You want that Money in the Bank briefcase to stay relevant in WWE, have it be defended. Make people fight for that briefcase instead of them having to go through a ladder match, which we're still going to keep. Keep the ladder match. But have the winner defend the briefcase against open challengers or anyone who wants a shot at that briefcase. Do that. I'm sick and tired of guys holding it for so long and not doing anything with it. And it makes people so irrelevant. And the fact that you guys are holding on to this briefcase makes it feel so lost in the shuffle. It's like, oh, we have this briefcase. We don't know what to do with it now.
1: Because we have this guy who we believe can't become WWE champion. Here's the thing. If you're going to give... A win, not just any win. A briefcase win to someone that
0: you thought was actually gonna get over in a singles run, then do it. But if you feel as if they're taking forever with this briefcase and they're not doing nothing with it, and you're realizing that you're losing a lot of creativity on this briefcase, it's now time to start
1: defending the shit. Defend it in matches. Make that briefcase worth something to fight for. Anyways, Drew won. Boring match. I don't know why they did it.
0: Oh, and, you know, stupid thing about it was Matthew McConaughey was actually
1: in the Thunderdome virtual audience with his kids watching. Why the fuck did they show that? He's a terrible actor. He sucks. Oh, so the New Day are backstage. And, you know, when it's the New Day backstage, they're either doing
0: two things, either mimicking someone or plugging something. And they did both those things. Kofi Kingston looked like he just smoked all of this in one hit.
1: Like literally just and was just like he's so hilarious. And you know Xavier Woods with the Burger King crown.
0: So they're plugging Survivor Series. They're mimicking the Street Profits. They're plugging Survivor Series. They're plugging uh, their match against them. Asuka shows up and she's plugging her match against Sasha Banks. And then the Hurt Business show up because supposedly now we have this match between Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn. Asuka being Asuka is just yelling,
1: we want Dasma! And I'm just like... And then she's doing the New Day Rock chant and I'm just like... I love Asuka. She's hilarious but there's just moments where I just cringe at certain things. And this was that moment where I just cringed really fucking hard. I couldn't. I just couldn't. I couldn't anymore. The Retribution
0: cut a promo backstage. Well, Mustafa Ali cuts a promo backstage because Mustafa Ali is not going to let everyone else talk. And one thing I was realizing, Mercedes Martinez is not there anymore. (laughs) She's gone. I'm guessing she went back to NXT. Uh, yeah, just kind of promo, just a recent promo about how, you know, they're just going to create chaos. They're going to ruin people's lives with chaos. All I keep all I kept hearing was chaos in that promo. I'm just like, fuck. We have Matt Riddle taking on Seamus uh, in another qualifying match for the men's Raw Survivor Series. Team. This was a great match. This was good. I actually liked these two competing. It was very stiff, you know, Seamus being, you know, a Belfast brawler. Uh, Matt Riddle with his uh, UFC background. These guys were, you know, hitting each other pretty hard. There were some spots. There were some moves and punches and kicks that I just looked. I had to look away because it just looked so painful to watch. Uh, Seamus wins with a bro kick. I loved it. It was probably the best match of the night next to Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles. And yeah, Seamus wins. He's now the third member of the Raw Survivor Series team. Now we cut to a moment of bliss. And Alexa Bliss has new theme music. There are a lot of, like you know, a lot of people got new theme music. Nikki Cross got new theme music. Peyton Roy's got new theme music. Raw got new theme music, bro. Everybody got new theme music. It's like you get a new theme. You get a new theme. You get a new- Everybody
1: gets a new theme. Yay! Hold on a second. All right, so we're, we're at a moment of bliss. Randy Orton comes out.
0: He's not playing in games. He basically gets straight to the point. Where's the Fiend? They talk about burning it down. And he asks again, where's the Fiend? Drew McIntyre shows up. Him and Randy Orton fight. He's about to set up for a Claymore. The lights go out. For some reason, Randy Orton is actually outside of the ring. Close to the stage. Randy Orton says he does not fear the Fiend. We saw that tonight. He did not look back. He did not show any emotion. This is Randy Orton being Randy Orton, methodical and evil. He just stared at Drew McIntyre like he knew the fiend was right behind him, but he didn't look
1: back. (coughs) Drew comes out of the ring. They start fighting. Fight, fight, fight,
0: fight, fight. And then Randy Orton does a back suplex onto the table. That ends the show.
1: Oh, no, wait. He gets on top of the table where Drew is at and starts beating on him. Ends the show. Oh, my God. You know, this Raw was a meh. It had its moments, but the
0: rest of the show got boring after that. Like, it wasn't a bad show. It was really not. I mean, there are some good moments out of this. Keith Lee fucking won!
1: Come on, man. That was great. Finally, he got a win. On national television. <sighs> you know, uh,
0: this, the Raw Survivor Series team is looking pretty strong. I can't wait to see who the other two are gonna
1: be. Uh, the women's division really needs a lot of help. Not a lot of women in this team. And
0: for some reason, like, I, I do believe, I, I think what I've heard is that SmackDown now has,
1: um, now has their women's team already. And I'm like, what the fuck? Already? That quick? No, that doesn't make any sense. What do I think of Randy Orton as WWE champion?
0: I don't hate it. But sometimes I ask myself, did it really need to happen?
1: Does that really need to? First of all, this is what, this is one thing that bothered me. Randy Orton posted a picture on Instagram. And it shows everyone in Evolution. sixteen. 14, 14, 6. The 6 is Batista. And he basically just shot at that picture. Three legends
0: and an actor. So I'm guessing he's teasing the fact that he wants to face Batista. Because we were supposed to get that at Mania 30, but then Daniel Bryan got in the mix of it all, and, you know, Batista winning the Rumble and all that other shit. Yeah, you know, and Randy Orton was double champion. So, yeah. I think this is probably what they're teasing. They want Batista to come out of retirement and face Randy Orton for the championship. I really don't want to see that. Uh, I've been saying for a while now that it's most likely going to be Randy Orton versus Edge for the championship. Should it be for Mania? I don't know because I kind of don't want Randy holding on to this title for that long. I do want Drew to win it back. Is the Fiend gonna win the championship? I don't know. I mean, now nah. the, there's too much. There's way too much shit going on. Randy Orton still has a storyline with Drew. Now he's gonna have a, a storyline with the Fiend, and he still has a storyline with
1: Edge. But Edge is on the shelf at the moment. <coughs> <coughs> Gotta do something with this because
0: it's like now we need to pull the trigger on something smart. And I'm thinking they should really pull the trigger on Edge. For all intents and purposes, let's just have Drew McIntyre face The Fiend. Let's do that. I mean, I don't mind. Or, or,
1: or we could have The Fiend face everyone in Retribution and he'll bury them. I don't know. Uh, so I got to see Halloween Havoc. the first time in 20 years that I finally got to see that shit. And, my God, did it deliver. I mean, I know
0: this is not something for me to talk about, but I want to throw my two cents in on this. Uh, The Marilyn Manson song was fucking amazing. Uh, Shotsie Blackheart with all those costumes, she looked beautiful. Uh, Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes in that uh, Haunted House match, way better than the House of Horrors match. Like, they should have been doing that in House of Horrors. Not that bullshit, not that bullshit that they fucking did. Oh my god. Pete Dunne making his return, turning heel. Uh, Pat McAfee's faction with Oni Lorcan, Danny Birch, and Pete Dunne. So,
1: it kinda had like some world elite vibes, but it's, it's Americans in the UK, so, I don't know. Johnny Gargano is the first ever two time North American champion
0: in NXT. Bravo. Bravo. The fucking Wheel of Death is back. I loved it. Um, look, I, I, again, I, I miss, I miss stage props so much. Like when they did In Your House, they actually had the garage door, the house, and everything all out of this shit. They didn't do that in Halloween Havoc, and I was expecting them to actually, you know, do some stuff. Like, I, I get it, they had a big pumpkin, and then Gargano cut the pumpkin, and like,
1: come on, man. Let us have some fun. Like, God, he hates fun so much. Great pay-per-view. I loved every minute of it. Like, I, I literally, I
0: literally did not, I, just said, fuck AEW. I'm watching Halloween Havoc because I want to see how they deliver this shit. They had orange ring ropes. The tables,
1: ladders, and scares match was great. Everything about that show was great. I loved every minute of it. Even uh, San, uh Escobar Santos. Santos Escobar versus Jake Atlas.
0: Non-title match. Loved it. Came out in Rey Mysterio's old gear from
1: when he faced Eddie Guerrero. Oh man, that was great. That was, that was a great show. Follow us on youtube.com forward slash ramblemania show,
0: facebook.com forward slash ramblemania, twitter at ramblemania show, instagram at ramblemania show, banter club podcast. You can follow me personally. On Instagram at iZombies. Double I-Z-O-M-B-Double I-E-S-E. Um, E-S-Z. Follow us on our audio platforms. Uh, Apple
1: Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. All that other stuff. Ah uh, man. I got I need to get back into... It's doing this again more. Uh... This
0: was just I just took two weeks off because I needed to, you know, get myself together and celebrate my anniversary. I'm glad to be doing these raw rants again, to be entertaining you guys.
1: For Hazel the Eye Zombie, I would like to wish you all pointing goodies, a two sweet, a good
0: fight, and a good fucking day to y'all. <laughs>
1: Smoke weed. Shout out to the Secret Smoker Society.